0: life-giving, radically forgiving God. I heard Brad Jerzak say that. I go, oh, that's good. So that's really good. Um, in fact, let's just go to that first slide. And, and it didn't stream well. Sorry, guys, all you guys online. So I'm going to just cover a little bit of what I covered last week because it didn't, wasn't recorded. So um, th- this is just kind of living my thoughts out about the sinner's prayer and things. So believing in God and say the sinner's prayer, I say yeen often doesn't release the power into salvation like I talked about. So I, I remember going through it and I go, really? That was it? I, so I said the words and um, I just thought it would be better than this. I went through all that and that's it. Anybody ever experienced that? Where you go, I just thought salvation would be better. Because no, no, you're in, you're in. In fact, if you doubt that you're in, that means you're really in because the devil wants to confuse you. And I'm like, well, I'm doubting I'm in because I don't, nothing changed. And they're like, no, no, that's good that you're doubting. I'm like, no, it's not, because everything's about my heart, right? If I'm doubting, then how do I know? Well, just say this and then get them to say, I remember we would do this and one particular one of our Buddhist friends were like, okay, we got them to say the magic words. And then we all were sitting around this table and we're kind of like, well, that's it. (laughs) You're in. (laughs) oh, good. And then we had tea, right? He made us Indian tea. And so we're like, we're driving home going, this is crazy. That didn't do anything to any of us. He doesn't know Jesus any more than I do. He said, yeah, I believe in Jesus with all my heart. and da, 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 But there was no life change. And I'm after the life change in you. And so anyway, um, here's why I believe. If you still have a view of God that puts fear in you, you won't have power, love, and a sound mind. And we've talked about that. I love the science behind it. See, here's the thing, guys. There's two trees. One provides life and one provides fear and death, right? When Adam and Eve ate from the wrong tree, what happened? They retreated from God and they were over in the bushes and then God, did God pursue them? See, what most of us were taught was this, he's so holy he can't look at you when you sin. You ever hear that? Well, that's weird because Jesus said, I'm, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, the fullness of God's in me and he pursued the sinners he sat with them ate with them that's what the religious people hated isn't it hey wait a minute zacchaeus wait he's the tax collector he invited him to he he even eats with the tax collectors he eats with the prostitutes what's up with this because they had the wrong view of god too that he's so holy he can't his holiness has nothing to do with sin or not sin guys his holiness has to do with his love because he is love he's light and he's a consuming fire the fire is not the devil's, the fire is his. It purifies us, amen? And it's light and love, that's it. Because I think we have this as uh, hey, well this is what I would grow up with. God's love, and you know what's coming next, right? But, what else? Give me your adjectives. He's just. Who said that? Where does it say that? He's love, full stop. So even his justice, even his wrath has to be in unconditional love because he doesn't change, right? So he is full on love. See, what we Adam and Eve thought the wrong thing about God and that's what I'm trying to get out of you, that you have to be afraid of him. They hid because of their own guilt. But God showed up on time going, Adam and Eve, where are you? And then they said, hey, we're over here naked. And he said, who told you that? So you gotta be careful of what you're putting in here, guys. That's why it says guard your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of Life, you're gonna experience life and death by what you feed on. And if you feed on an angry God, you know what you're gonna have? Anger, murder, strife, all the, all the works of the flesh where you're trying to be pleasing to God. Anyway, so uh, I just believe this is when, you, when you're operating in love, all the science behind it is so beautiful to me. It says, you know what? You get more creative, you have compassion, you have love, ideas just start to flow, etc. And if you're in fear, the part of your brain that even puts your immune system in it starts to shut down. And you can't love, you can't have compassion, etc. And we saw it when we went to Bible school in Africa. Um, man, they're on passion for Jesus, but you talk about one guilty and condemned generation of people. They are, because here, here's what they teach. If something's going wrong in your life, which part of the covenant are you not fulfilling? What does that do to you? It must be me if there's something going wrong. And that is not God, guys, that is not God at all. And so they're just living in fear and judgment and guilt and shame. And I want to show you through the scriptures that if you've seen, how many guys want to know what God's like? He's exactly like Jesus. Exactly like Jesus. So go look at how Jesus dealt with people. To the sinner, you know what he did? No commands, just unforgiving, perfect health, perfect love, perfect grace, everything. To the religious people who are saying, you got to do this to be blessed, you know what he did? Ripped them called them sons of the devil. He called Caiaphas, the, the high priest, the son of the devil. And I, I see most religion today doing that still. The most Christianity is, it, I think it's the biggest bait and switch in the world. Hey, it doesn't matter what you've done. God's grace covers all sin, etc. Then you go, ah, oh, this sounds like a sweet deal. I meant that's that was kind of me. And so I'm like, really? He loves me and blesses me even though, despite me? He heals me despite me? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm in this deal. Okay, now that you're in, let me tell you what you have to do. Stop doing this. Don't do that. You do this. Like when we went through deliverance, you ever do this? Yeah. Oh, then they go down the next one. You do this? Yeah, I did that too. Then they start looking at me, Dave and Rose, start writing in their notebook. You did that. I thought this was good news. What, what's up with this? So far, she knows that the, by the end, I was like, is there just one prayer that we can get this all thing over? Because I'm You don't have to go, you're on your third page of your book and it's this big, and I'm pretty sure I probably did everything in there. If it was bad, I probably did it, because I was the youngest kid and didn't have a curfew since I was six, guys, so life was fun, right? Anyway, and then I thought, he's gonna forgive me for all that? Yeah, but they didn't tell me the but until I got in, right? I did the sinner's prayer. Now, anyway, it is not a bait and switch. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's unconditional love. He's unconditional grace, healing, He just wants to bless you. But here's the thing. Most of you guys won't, you don't even feel good enough about yourself half the time to ask for ridiculous blessings in your life because you still think that God might be angry at you. And he is not. So I'm going to just show you through scripture. Is that that fair? All right, what did I write here? Did I write anything good? Uh, Oh, even scripture bows to Jesus Christ. And we've talked about that with the woman caught in the issue of blood, or uh, caught in the act of adultery. Because the Bible, the Bible says we should kill this woman, right? And then they turned to Jesus, the word of God made flesh, so we could all see what God's truly like. Because they said, you know what, nobody knows the Father except Jesus. So I'm going to come down and show you who the Father is. He's just like me, is what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit's just like me. So the Bible says we should kill this woman. And then they turned to the word of God made flesh and go, but what do you say? And what did he say? He corrects scripture. And he goes, you're interpreting scripture wrong, guys. I know that it says you should kill them, but I never keep any judgment and I never have. Isn't that beautiful? So, Jonathan, we talk about this a lot, right? Because you ask me these questions. I always go back, I go, Jesus is the correct interpretation of every scripture. There's no yeah buts. but what about this? No, there's no yeah Jesus is the correct interpretation of every scripture. So, that's tough for you guys that were taught that, The Bible's infallible, especially the King James Version. Because if it says it, it's in there, I go, it says lots of things that Jesus corrected. So Jesus is the correct interpretation. You have to understand that. So when you realize he's always loving and giving and radically forgiving, you start to experience him. You start to experience life. And so all the blessings of God are yes and amen in him. Guys get it? So what's there to do? What must we do to do the works of God? What was the question, right? And what was Jesus' answer? Believe in the one who is sent. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean just believe in Jesus. Even the devil believes in Jesus. Right? Devil probably said the sinner's prayer. I wouldn't doubt it. He's like, yeah, why not? I'm the deceiver anyway, I just lie. I know that's not the that's not the power behind it. The power is behind it when it radically transforms you, and you know he's never going to judge you ever again. And all he's gonna do is bless you, despite you. That's when you start to go. Oh, man, what a good God, right? So, anyway, um, good enough. You guys good? Oh, let's go through scripture. All right, go to this next slide, Doug. Just reaffirming this, 2 Timothy 1, 7. So this is Paul, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, right? It says, if you still see God where it creates a fear in you, that you might be separated, or even worse, if you didn't say the right words on this side of, of your life, that you might go get tortured for the rest of your life. So we, that's our brains and our hearts just, our hearts have a hard time with that, they really do. Because they're going, wait a minute, he loves me, he's unconditional love, he's unconditional love, he's unconditional love. Oh, he'd you lost your last breath, no, now he's Phew. No, he doesn't change, it's still unconditional love. Does that make sense? And that's why I wanna teach you some of the, what the early church founders taught is radically different. They didn't teach, see here, the, the sheep and the goats, we have this thing, right? The sheep and the goats, or Lazarus and the rich man. The punchline of all those parables is Jesus Christ. He's showing the Jews, he's going, things are different than you think. But how many guys know by the end, when Jesus Christ actually dies and rises again, how many guys know that the chasm between the rich man and Lazarus was removed? There was a chasm and he's trying to tell the Jews, just because you're a a fleshly Jew by descent doesn't mean you're in, you're gonna be radically surprised that uh, even the Gentiles are in right? You guys get it? So, the sheep and the goats, and here's what you need to look at. A good shepherd, a good shepherd, even if he had goats, would he, would he go condemn them to torture? No, so we've covered a lot of that, but we'll, we'll go through the early church fathers, what hell actually means in context. So, in 1 John 4 says, hey, if we still have fear of in us, we can't truly receive everything God has for us because fear has this concept of judgment and you're not complete in Christ then. So anyway, so here's, here's Paul to Timothy. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord nor of me or his prisoner, but share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to how good a Christian we are. That's what works are. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus, when? Before time began. So it wasn't when you were 13 and you said the words. Really, it's, it's like radical and it, gosh, I, I appreciate you guys, because it's so freeing to me. I go, man, I get thrown out of every elders meeting in town. But here's what's starting to happen. It really is like Nick at night, right? But they're doing it during the day, because I sleep. Um, <laughs> they're coming to me during the day going, we love this stuff, but we can't teach it. Isn't that sad? man, I've always believed this. It was always something in my heart that I, I knew God couldn't be that bad and that angry. And I go, why don't you share it? Uh, I go, you pansy? Get, go ahead, get after it, man. So, but he always gets me in trouble. That's okay. He gets me out of it too. Anyway, hey, before time began, he, he, he predestined you in Christ is what it says, but now has been revealed. So, none of us knew this, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel. Isn't that cool? All right, next next slide. So, 1 John 4, I referenced this, love has been complete or perfected among us in this, that we have boldness in the day of judgment. So, like my friend, when I said, when you have that day of judgment, who do you think you're gonna meet? You're gonna meet Jesus Christ. Who's gonna meet him? Even the dead is what it says. It says the dead, we're all gonna appear before the judgment seat of Christ. But we've been growing up in the West so much that we think that's gotta be bad. In fact, most of us, right? That's why they have those bumper stickers that say, look busy, Jesus is coming. It's like, we don't wanna be judged, right? And it really is, it's it's this thing called, it's gonna be a crisis where we think we have this idea of God, just like the woman caught in the act of adultery, but what did she find when she actually met him? Unconditional forgiveness and grace. That's what you're going to find when you meet the judgment seat of Christ because he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. It's so beautiful, guys. Now, the religious people hate it because I didn't do that sin at least. So I just have a little bit of self-righteousness where I'm not as bad as that, but that's why Jesus says, be careful how you judge because if you judge from the old covenant stick, it condemns you. Yes. But if you judge them based on Jesus Christ, now you can have love and compassion on people and forgive them. Amen. So, all right. So, because he has it, because as he is, so are we in this world. How's Jesus? Is Jesus perfectly sinless? And guess how you are. How's that happen? I can't tell you how it all happened, but he just said, "I removed sin as far as the east from the west, and I've re- rescued you from sin and death." Fantastic. Sounds like a plan. So, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. He who fears has not been made complete or perfect in love yet. So I'm trying to get this. I'm trying to see who the Father and Jesus really are so you can actually start living out of this abundant new covenant. Does that make sense? Because we all have dark areas of our life where like God can't be that good. I think he's so stinking good. See, I am not the least concerned of me getting there and meeting him and go, Mike, here's what people are accusing me. They're going, you're, you're going light on sin. And I, I would disagree with that 100%. I go, you're going too light on sin because you think your sins don't disqualify you. And I know I can do nothing unless Jesus Christ has saved me. I just trust more in the blood of Jesus than my works. And I think you should too. <laughs> and they go, like, oh, I never thought of it that way. I go, I know, because you're self-righteous, little turd. So anyway. <laughs> There's no fear in love. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not, as you know, not the typical pastor. So he who fears has not been complete in love. We love him because we first loved us. And that's what it said. When you were still dead in sin, when you were still a sinner, I died for you. So he died for you based on you accepting him? No, he died for you before you were even born, before the foundation of the world. You see, this is where our brain, our Western brain can't Einstein was close. He goes, E equals MC squared. So time stands still when you're going at the speed of light. Right? We, we, we can geek out on that. Just the, It's really pretty awesome to me. And so, you know I do too. I get like, oh, that's so good. It's so good. So he was really close. So Jesus is outside of time. And we've all heard that, but our brains have a hard time getting around it. So before the foundation of the world, he saved you. You were found in him before the foundation of the world, is what it says. And now it's just coming to light. It was hidden forever, and then Jesus comes and goes, no, I'm it, and now I'm revealing it to all you guys. That's what we were just reading at other scriptures. So we love him because he first loved us. So anyway, you get this, right? So you gotta start seeing Jesus as the Father. The Father's not scary. The Father's the same thing as Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Good enough? All right, next slide. So here's what I wanna show you, and I'll go through this quick. Oh, I had added one slide. Man, must have been jamming. Sorry, I didn't realize we put that one in there. All right, 1 Corinthians 13, you've probably heard it at most weddings and I've talked about this quite a bit. So it tells us love is not self-seeking, it's giving. Love is, and love also keeps no record of wrong. So love keeps no record of wrong. So when an Adam and Eve quote unquote fell, how we were taught, did he keep a record of their wrong? No, because he never changes. Perfect love, which he is, never keeps a record of wrong. Now, the law kept a record of wrong, but the promise never kept a record of wrong. Does that make sense? So, we got to get that, that love is giving. He's always looking out, giving, sharing, sharing grace, sharing his blessings with us. It's never self-seeking. And he goes, and I keep no record of wrong. So, anyway. So the greatest example of this is on the cross, and you think about this as you, know, you read Isaiah 53, it says, we, had, we thought he was stricken by God. But was he stricken by God? Now most of you guys were probably taught that. That, uh, hey, Jesus is cool. I like this Jesus guy. The Father's scary, right? Because I don't want to meet that guy. That's just like the Israelites when they said, hey Moses, we're scared of that guy up on the mountain. Um, you go and just give us some rules to follow. That's really what they said. They said, you know what? We're well able to do whatever you, what he tells us to do because they were under slavery. And so they, they had a hard time getting out of this slave mindset. And most of you guys, I'm trying to get out of your slave mindset. Your slave mindset is I must serve God to be good. And if something's going bad in my life, it must be uh, something I've done. I didn't do something enough or I didn't do enough. Or I did something too much, right? I've done all of it. And here's what you'll find. Did he ever stop his funnel of grace? No, man. He did the blessings you cannot stop. It's just this overflow of blessing and supernatural favor, et cetera. Now, your guilt, your shame, your doubting because you've got issues in your life actually stops the flow, but it doesn't stop his flow. It stops rebu- stop your heart, keeps you from experiencing the new covenant because out of it is where everything happens. Does that make sense? So you think about, if we want to see what Jesus is, think about this, guys, is... Um, Oh, it was good when we were listening to that thing last night, wasn't it? Where they I'm not going to say the pastor's name, but some of you guys would probably infer. He's like, I can't, uh, I, I see Jesus as this UFC fighter like Rameko. You know, he's got tats down his leg and this sword, and he's kicking rear end. And he goes, I can't serve a God that I can beat up. And uh, Brad, we were listening to Brad Jerzak, and he goes, uh, what do you think? The interviewer is saying, well, here's what I think. I want to put my pastor hat on. I go, I think that's heresy of this pastor. Because you do serve a God that we beat up. In fact, we killed him. So think about this, is we beat him, we pulled his beard out, we put thorns on him, we scourged him. The cat of nine tails, you've seen the passion of the Christ, right? Yet, he remained silent as a sheep before the shearer. And he said, you know what, I could have had 10,000 angels come rescue me, but I didn't. I'm pouring out myself to you to show you how much I love you. And so through all of that, we see the last words. What does he say? Father, forgive them. So I created this whole thing. I came to my own, and my own doesn't even know me. And I died, and where sin abounds, what happens? Grace hyperbounds. So he goes, I'm gonna use the greatest sin that mankind's ever committed, killing the creator. And yet he goes, I don't keep any record of wrong. I don't blame them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're just a dirt pile that I had to breathe my life into. Right? Right? When you meet Jesus, that's the same Jesus he doesn't change. Isn't that awesome? That's who he is today. So you never have anything to worry about, guys. You you, you never have to fear him, because that's the same Jesus, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When you start getting that, and he goes, so he took the greatest sin that was ever committed and turned it into the greatest blessing. That's what he does. In fact, I remember hearing Joseph Prince, the first time I heard it, I go, wait a minute, rewind that. What did he just say? He said, you know what, when you've messed up the biggest, ask for the biggest blessing. Theologically, I don't think that's very accurate, but what he was trying to do is getting a point across going, when, the, when you feel the least deserving, in our weakness, his strength is what? Complete, ask for stuff. And he doesn't deny himself. Even though we, we remain unfaithful, he doesn't deny himself and he remains faithful. See, and it takes the pressure off you because a lot of you guys grew up charismatic word of faith like me, and uh, it was all based on your faith. And I would just go, how well is it working, right? You've been speaking to that stupid house for 10 years and it still is not yours, so. You know, (laughs) why don't you start realizing here where he loves you perfectly and now the blessings start to flow out of you. We're trying to do it from the outside in. Does that make sense? So, all right, so that's who you're gonna meet. Get it? And he never changes. Okay, next slide. How we doing? We're doing pretty good on time. I'll get you out of here quickly. All right. So here's the woman caught in the act of adultery. I wanted to teach you this. So Jesus writes on the temple floors twice. I gotta go through this quick, because I did a whole service on this last week. So the Old Covenant are types and shadows of what? Good things to come. It's actually stories about Jesus Christ. And so here's what you need to realize is, um, you can't take Old Covenant lessons and apply them to you typically, because they're stories, they're most, Barbara and I were talking about this last night. The way to get the Bible wrong is almost always wrong is to take it literally. Man, how many of you guys have ever plucked out your eyeballs? Okay, you're, you, you all should be blind, me included. So you're not taking the Bible seriously, so let's just end that right now, right? It's metaphorical, it's, it's stories about Jesus, and that once you get it, you get it. He's like, man, he's life-giving, he's, not, he's never gonna condemn you. So I believe this, is the Old Covenant stories about Jesus and that he's gonna fulfill, but I really believe it's, it's simply this. You guys ever notice there's lots of death and murder and everything in the Old Covenant? You're going, what's with that, right? So we've we've projected that on, that must be what the Father is. Thank God for this Jesus guy. But Jesus goes, no, the Father's the same way and he's never changed. So even if scripture was perfect, like Old Covenant, how many guys are perfect? How many guys have perfect revelation? None of you, because it says, we all see dimly as through a veil, because we still have this crazy body and brain and things that we've said, but when we see him face to face, the spirit will turn us in. Then we'll see clearly what we've always been. And then I think we're gonna go, doggone it, man, I could have had all that. That life would have been good. It doesn't withhold any good thing is what it said. So anyway, but it's still gonna be good because you're gonna go, wow, you don't even think about the old bit. Anyway, I believe the old covenant is simply the destruction of us, our flesh, all works. He's gonna destroy and die all works. And death is the final, it's, it's kind of this crazy thing. He goes, I've redeemed you. When you die, it's not the end, guys. When you rise again, you're gonna have a glorified body, no pain, no nothing. It's gonna be a beautiful thing. So I believe the old covenant is really the destruction of all of our self-efforts and works. And the new covenant's all about life on the seventh day when we're resurrected. You can take that as you want, but something had to die and sin and death died is what Revelation says, right? So I just believe the old covenant's Jesus fulfilling that. I'm gonna destroy all works because I'm passionate about you, and I don't want you to base it on the old covenant works. I want to base it on the work of my son, Jesus Christ. The new covenant's unbreakable. That's good news for you and I. Anybody believe that, that you can't break it? You cannot break the new covenant because it's between Jesus and the Father, and we're included. Isn't that awesome? Now, we can try to break it, but we can't. You know what screws it up is our own stinking thinking. That's the only thing that screws it up. So, anyway... So here is jesus hey the bible this is where the scripture has to submit to jesus where jesus is the correct interpretation so the pharisees the sadducees the whole group right he who's without so they they come they go hey the bible says we should kill this woman isn't that what it says in the old covenant but then they ask jesus the true word of god that was made flesh they go but what do you say and here's what he says he was without sin among you let him throw the first stone stones were always representative of what the law. That's why it says when the old covenant, when the stone was rolled away, you can boldly go in and, right? Mary and the disciples, they went into the, after the stone was rolled away, they went in and what did they see? The mercy seat. They saw the two angels sitting there and the wraps and Jesus' blood on the stones. It's beautiful. Anyway, the stone was rolled away. So he's like, listen, if, as soon as you get rid of the stones, now you can see me and all that's gonna be left is me is what the story says. So, and he again stooped down and wrote on the ground. So again, he wrote on the ground twice, so he's writing on the temple floor is what you see, and if, uh, if you go look at the Talmud, the Jews believe that the tablets, the stones, were written on stones of Stephen knows, lapis lazuli, sapphire, right? That's a whole nother story. So Jesus is the fulfillment of all that. So Moses comes down. First he gets rid of the 15 commandments, then he comes down, then there's 10 right? <laughs> I just love that. I, see, I think Jesus laughs and all the religious guys in cloaks would yell at me. But uh, I think he thinks that's humorous. I really do. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. All right. So anyway, so he comes down and breaks them. He goes up. To, you got, we, see, when we read new covenant scriptures, we have to go, where did this happen in the old covenant? And the, the only time that something was written on stones twice was Moses and the 10 commandments. So Moses goes up the first time. Comes down, they break them. He goes up a second time. And were the stones ever broken the second time? No, they were put into Jesus, the mercy seat. He goes, don't show these to the people. Put them in the mercy seat. So Jesus is fulfilling this. So the first time he writes, he's without sin among you. Let him throw the first stone. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground twice. So he's writing on the temple floor twice. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience. So what's convicting them? Their conscience. See, in scripture it says, once you... Realize that the blood of Jesus has removed sin forever. you should have no more consciousness of blowing up right so i 'm trying to get you no more consciousness well then they 're just going to run out and sin, no you, no you, no you just don 't have to hide it anymore it's, it's, you 'll actually get free from it it 's fascinating when you know you 're not going to be judged by it so then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last, and Jesus was left alone. All that's left is the new covenant, guys. So Jesus and the woman caught in the act of the new covenant, all, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus has raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. Now, who is the accuser in the scriptures? Ha-Satan, Satan. The, the accuser is really what it says, the accuser of the brethren. We think that Jesus is the accuser, and when we're gonna meet him, he's gonna write down all the stuff. And go, I remember you did this, Michael, when you were, yeah. oh, you saw that one? Dang. Right? Or you were taught that, um, no, I won't get into that. <laughs> Listen, he's never kept any wrong, never kept any record, and he's removed sin as far as the east is from the west, so when you meet him, is he gonna ask you about the sin? No. You're gonna find mercy and grace. That's what you're gonna find when you meet him because he never changes. That's what people need to get, so. No one, Lord, and Jesus said there, neither will I do condemn you. Here it comes. Now go and sin no more. See, he said, go and sin no more. See, there it is. Wait a minute, he's never kept any record of it. So Jesus has to be the inter- correct interpretation of scripture. So where are we missing it here? That's what you need to start doing, right? So, because here's, here's what I always say. See, Mike, they said, go and sin no more. Okay, let's take it as that. How you doing? Oh no, you weren't supposed to say that to me. I'm supposed to get to say that to the sinner. No, no, how you doing? And I always say that. I go, if Jesus came so he would never sin again, he's failed miserably. But if Jesus came to set us free from the law of sin and death, he succeeded. And he said he succeeded. Does that make sense? So let's look at what the sin is. And if some of you guys have read the mirror translation, it's so beautiful. If you go look go look at sin, go get a concordance or if you like Bible Hub, those are great. Bible Gateway, you can just put in sin and see how many times it has to do with behavior versus it's just a noun. So here's what it says. we we'll go to this next slide, Doug, and we're almost done. You guys doing okay? All right, so. Here's what the mirror says. John 8, 11. Mirror says, she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither am I condemning you. So if Jesus didn't condemn her, is he ever going to condemn? No, one. He, he says that over and over and over. He says, the Father judges no one. I've, he's given all judgment to me. And then Jesus comes and he says, I didn't come to judge the world. I came to what? Save it. Right? And, I, and he is the, the word that came down just like water and snow from heaven. And he doesn't return void. Did he return? Well, he said, I came to destroy the works of the devil and to set you free from the law of sin and death. And then he returned. So did he return void? No, he accomplished it. It's over. Isn't that beautiful? The sin program's over. Isn't that beautiful? Now we got to get you to believe it. That's the real, (laughs) that's the real challenge. And you can get unbelieved really quick if you go to a Bible study, right? All right. So she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither will I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And here's what it says in the mirror translation, never again believe a lie about yourself. The devil was a what? Liar from the beginning is what it said. So where did the original fall happen? The beginning. Scripture is actually kind of easy when you... Just take it. And here's what it says. Adam and Eve, hey, if you eat from this, Their conscience is what separated them from God. God didn't separate from them. God pursued them like he said he would. That's what Psalm 23, King David says this, says, surely your supernatural grace and mercy will hunt me down with hostile intent, like a hunter hunts its prey. Isn't that beautiful? He hunts you down. That's so good. His his supernatural grace and mercy will hunt me down. Ah, thank you, Lord. So just stop running, just stay, stop. Just let him catch you fast. Is, that's what you wanna do. So here's what sin actually means. The word translated sin is hamartia, from ha, negative, or without in meros, portion or form. See, when Adam and Eve, they believed the accuser, that's why he said, who taught you this? God never changed. He was never not judging them based on sinning. What happened is they started to believe their conscience that God must be mad at me. And I feel naked and not worthy and not valuable and not worthy to be healed, not worthy to be blessed, because man, I know me. And I had these bad thoughts and I did these wrong things on the internet or whatever you're doing. It really doesn't matter. That's the conscience that we have to settle. That he's not judging on a scorecard. He's he going, My scorecard's Jesus Christ and you win. And I'm going to bless you for the rest of your life. <sighs> now we can rest and start just letting it flow out of here, right? So literally what what sin means is the distorted pattern. The root of sin is to believe a lie about yourself. So that's why I'm, I'm hammering on this, that you cannot ha- have an angry God. You can't have this fear of eternal torment because you can never experience the true salvation, the healing. Does that make sense? It's the heart that we need to heal, guys. And it's our heart, not his, he's good. He's going, I gotta show, I gotta demonstrate my perfect love to humanity. I'm gonna let them sin all over the place, pluck my hairs, blaspheme me, etc. So guys, he's not really that concerned about your dirty word. He heard a lot from the Roman soldiers. And what did he say? Forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. And that's how he always will be. Isn't that beautiful? Ah, So, see Romans 6, 14. Sin was your master while the law was your master. Now grace rules. Isn't that what scripture says? In Christ, righteousness by law is no more. It's not by your works. It's just by him. So the law revealed your slavery to sin. Grace reveals your freedom from it. Jesus didn't say to the lady, go and sin less. That's kind of how we take it because if he said truly sin no more and it was really about our behavior, then we're all not fulfilling it. But if he said, lady, you thought I was gonna judge you, but that's a wrong belief about who you are and who I am. That's what sin is, having a distorted view of who you are and who God is. So never again have a distorted view. You just saw that I that didn't come to condemn you. Now go and never feel guilty about yourself the rest of your life. That's what that means. Isn't that beautiful? So that's what I'm trying to get you guys to get because for 2,000 years, we've been trying to clean up your behavior and you guys are in it, so we're not doing very well. Right? And I'm in it, so I'm, we're not doing very well. But when we finally get the thing that, oh man, I shouldn't have a distorted view. That <coughs> All he's gonna do is bless me. Now we cannot start just believing that the promises are yes and amen. That's what I want you to dwell on this next week. He loves me despite me. And that's why even when you're praying for people, et cetera, you know, they want me to do the healed and all this stuff. I go, man, nothing happens typically. He'll use that if you're like, really, that's all you got? Okay, I'll throw you a bone and heal this person. Um, but that's not how it works, guys, is if you can honestly just be a conduit to express their love to him, that it's not their fault. We talk about that all the time. It's just, we gotta get it out of their minds that it's their fault that they're going through something. Cause it's not your fault. It's just a distorted view of who you are and who Jesus is. Amen? You guys get it? All right, last slide, I think. You guys doing okay? You guys are quiet. All right, get to your feet. I'll get you out of here on time. You guys good? All right. I said this from the beginning, but if you're wondering what God is like, he's exactly like Jesus. (laughs) He's unconditional love and nothing else. He's loved, but he's also just. Yeah, he's so just that our ways are not like his ways. He goes, you know what? If one man died in Adam, one man can all be free in Christ. And by the obedience of one man, you've all been complete and perfect forever, amen? It's not your obedience, it's his. That's why he's so radically holy and different. He's not so holy that he can't look at you. He he loves you perfectly, he sings over you. He goes, I want you to see that's how beautiful I think you are. You are the spotless ride. I was with this group of men and the religious dudes, you know, like, Jesus isn't gonna come back for a spotted bride. I'm like, well, you guys are screwed. Because <laughs> I know you, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. It's just, we have this weird deal that we think we can clean ourselves up, and I go, we can't, we can't. He perfectly cleaned you up forever. not good news? Yeah. That's, what, that's what bringing every thought to the obedience of Christ is all about. You Man, he's gonna bless me because, because, just because? That's why it's called grace, my friend. <laughs> Right? That's it. So anyway, he's just like Jesus. He'll never judge you. He'll always forgive you. He'll always bless you. So Jesus did away with the fear, guilt, and shame of the law and replaced it with his unconditional love and radical forgiveness. So this is how we started it. We'll end it like this. Whatever you're going through, guys, doesn't matter if it's financial, health, relationship. I know I talk about this all the time, but it truly is a gospel that heals in every way. When your heart's healed up, you start to experience life again. You won't even have to do it. It's just rivers of living water flowing out of you. So you can get rid of your gymnastics. He's not impressed by it. I'm gonna do this more. In fact, my friend Mark, we were joking. I'll save you some grief. Is if I wanna go date my wife, I wanna have intimacy with her. Isn't that what Jesus really wants? He goes, I wanna introduce you to the intimacy of the Father and the Holy Spirit. It's all family, it's all relationship. So I go, hey, sweetie, you know what? Can I take you on a hot date? Okay, here's what it's gonna be. We're gonna fast. (laughs) And then you're gonna get in your closet and I'm gonna get in my closet so we can get closer to each other and pray. Sound like a good date? Jesus hates that too, guys. He goes, that's it? That's what you're gonna give me? That's the intimacy you're gonna give me? I wanna have intimacy with you. I wanna give you life and live it more. I want you to have life and celebration. I want you to feast. That's what the feasts were all about. Does that make sense? This whole fast gig is just old covenant nonsense, in my opinion. Because once the lamb was accepted, you know what they did? They ate, drank, and were merry. Amen. Go read Deuteronomy 14 once. That'll screw the religious people through the roof. So, who? Cat, I gave that to you, didn't I? Did you go share your Bible teacher? <laughs> you need me there when you share it, right? We'll put him in his place a little bit. So, anyway. You religious knucklehead, you. So anyway, now think about that. Isn't that retarded if I said that to my wife? Yeah. Yeah. Sweetie, we're gonna have this hot date and here's how cool it's gonna be. I'm not gonna take you out to the, to, where do you like to go? We like to go to Elway's at the Ritz-Carlton in Denver. I don't like the other one. No, we're not gonna go there. We're gonna go to a budget hotel. You're gonna go in the closet, I'm gonna go in another closet and we're gonna fast. It's gonna be awesome. That's how you view Jesus in the old covenants, religious works, right? And he's like, why are you doing that? Jesus came eating and drinking and celebrating life. So that's how I want you to, the, the new covenant's all about life and life more abundantly. It's celebration because of what we are in Jesus Christ today, not by you, by him. You guys get it? So here's what I want you to start doing. Uh, my friend Pocky Phillips sent me a thing today about, of Steve Harvey. It was so good. It was so good. It, and he, you know what, I, you know, I, I listened to it, and I was like, oh, Pocky, I've watched that before. It's so good. You guys know who Steve Harvey is, right? Black guy that is very famous on Price is Right and all these other things. Family Feud, whatever it is. I don't even know. I don't watch TV hardly unless it's ESPN or something. I really don't. People go, did you watch this movie? No. Hey, there's one movie I'd encourage you to go watch. It's The Greatest Showman. It's awesome. We went twice just because I was like, that is, a, that is the, that's the new covenant right there. It really, it's, in, it's fascinating. I don't watch movies, do I? She's like, sweetie, you're doing good. You went two in the last month. I, I've been to two in like 10 years, honestly. I just, she knows, like a movie starts and I fall asleep. They don't do, no, I can watch like ping pong. Anything, badminton, so the Olympics are coming on. I'm, I'm not gonna sleep. I just, I love competition. I can watch sports all day, be a movie. <laughs> I just start snoring. So anyway, but <laughs> that's true, isn't it? She goes, you want to watch a movie? Yeah, I want to take a nap in your lap. That's what a movie means to me. <laughs> anyway, it's really, I don't get inspired by it, but it, what was I talking about? Great the greatest showman. There was something important I was going to say before that. Pocky. Oh, Pocky. Yeah, Steve Harvey. Here's what, I, here's what I noted about Steve Harvey. He focused on three good new covenant scriptures, never about judgment, never about sin, never about whether he was worthy or not. And he goes, I don't, I don't go to church. I don't do this stuff. I'm like, yes, that's why you're being blessed because you're not getting judged. Now, I hopefully you come here and you feel empowered and good after you leave. That's the whole goal. It's to empower you, not build a ministry. That's just nonsense to me. It says build you up so that you can do the work of the ministry. Ministry just means service. Guys, you have gifts, you have skills that you can go serve the world with and he'll bless your socks off if you just start believing that you're worthy because of Jesus Christ. Fair enough? All right, so I want you to just start renewing your mind to that. Man, I'm completely forgiven. Even the things I'm gonna do 30 years from now, he, he's forgiven. And all he's gonna do is bless. He's like Melchizedek. Melchizedek comes to Abram, destroys all of Abram's enemies, and he says, I bless the Father, and I bless you, Abraham. Let's have a party. No talk about curse, no nothing. And said, Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek. So all Melchizedek does, guys, is blessed. Every promise is yes and amen. Does that help? Because I want you to start doing things like this. Is you know what, Lord, whatever I put my hand to shall prosper. Whatever I put my hand to shall prosper. Why? Because it's a covenant promise that says it's yes in the new covenant. Amen? And not worry about whether you did this right or did that right. You can't get there from here. So I just get back that, Father, just thank you for supernatural blessing. Thank you for radically forgiving and loving me. And if we know how much you love you, you do exceedingly abundantly beyond what I can think or ask, and I can think and ask big. So do something big. Thank you, Father. And you know what? You're going to wake up in the morning. You know what you're going to feel like? Crap. You will. So you know what you need to do? Do it again that next day. And eventually it starts to re, re, really, literally down to your DNA. So every part of you now start to experience life. And we talk about this all the time. I can tell where your heart's at just by what's coming out of your mouth in like two minutes. And I don't judge you. I'm not weird like the old Come, Don't say that! Because that's what we were when we went to Bible school. We are getting into the elevator. You are going down? No, don't say down, we're only going up. I'm like, you guys can't pave a road yet. It looks like you're going down. You know, I'm like, I don't believe that in my heart. That's not what I'm talking about. Does that make sense? It's because they're so condemned. They're beautiful people, it's just like, they're so under religious condemnation, they have no life flowing. It's fascinating, so anyway. Thank God I don't have to go back. Because It really, it, after a while, just like, wow, they, they're so, they, oh man, nobody's giving them the good news. So, you guys don't understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So you know what? You don't focus on, even your believing can become a work, guys. Stop trying to believe. Just live. Wake up in the morning and just focus on his unconditional love and forgiveness for you. And his life will start to produce. It'll start to believe without trying. You can do nothing. You can't even increase your faith. He does it effortlessly in you. He starts to live through you. That's what Paul said. It's not that I live anymore. It's him who's living his life through me and he labors more than anybody and I'm just going along for the ride and it's an awesome ride. That's how I want you to live, okay? So, Father, we love you. We praise you. We magnify you. We just thank you that they're completely forgiven. It's not their fault. We just believe the wrong things. So, Father, just let the Holy Spirit shine bright in their heart. Remove every area of darkness in their heart. So they can see what's already true about them, that they're blessed, they're loved, they're perfectly spotless because of Jesus Christ. Let them realize they'll never be judged for anything, none of their sins, even the ones 30 years from now, you don't judge, you save. So Father, let that truth just penetrate their heart so they can start to experience you financially, they can start experiencing you in health, let your love, your compassion, your radical forgiveness and love touch every cell in their body, Lord. Just flow through every cell of their body, just redeem their heart, heal their heart so that we can truly see how you see us so we don't have any distorted view of who we are. We are sons. The creator of the universe, the father, who are we that you love us that much but that's how much you love us so just give us a little bit more revelation of that, father. Father, we just thank you for your supernatural blessing over their lives. Just bless their businesses, bless their finances, bless their minds and their hearts. Let them see that it's us that's holding them back. It's not them doing their, it. it's us. You withhold no good things. So Father, remove any darkness in their hearts. Just let your love flow like never before, like a river of living water just start to flow through them. Father, we just thank you that that same spirit touches every cell of their body, that they're healed supernaturally, that your love and compassion flow through them. Father, we thank you for miraculous things in business. Miraculous things in business, far beyond what we can even think or imagine. Father, restore relationships. The marriages that appear unsalvageable, save them. Relationships. Just let them stop trying and let the love start to flow out of them. Because you do it. And we'll just be in awe of you one more time. In Jesus' magnificent name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. You're released, guys.